0: Personally, I think one of the greatest disservices to writers are the fictional depictions of the profession on TV and in film. It doesn't matter what the temperament or personality of the writer is, calm or wild, upscale or dive bar, instant genius or constant struggler. The reality that is portrayed is this, professional writers have made it and are living the life that so many envy. This, of course, is total bullshit. Total Bull Shit Being a professional writer is a job, plain and simple. If you're listening now and you have a job, then all the turmoil and emotions you feel when working that job apply to professional writers. Everything you feel, pro writers feel too. It is a job. And jobs aren't always fun or easy or straightforward or you get the picture. Why am I pointing this out? Because the big-screen, small-screen dream bullshit needs to stop. In my honest opinion, it's destroying potential and current writers. Even those of us that know the reality of this profession still get caught up in the crap that Hollywood insists is real. And that may be killing us. Okay, there may be some hyperbole in that last statement, but not much. Why do I say killing us? Because it has been scientifically proven that stress kills And the vast majority of being a writer is dealing with stress, or not dealing with it. The substance abuse part of the Hollywood story isn't that far off. So folks, that's today's topic, stress. And there's a lot of it, so strap in. This could be an uncomfortable ride. Welcome to Writing in Suburbia with Jake Bible. Hey, y'all. Just wanted to let you know that I have more than this podcast going on. I'm also publishing a weekly newsletter, as well as releasing chapters of novels, the original podcast recording of Dead Mech, the Friday Night Drabble Party, and so much more. Where is all this greatness? Go to jakebible.substack.com. That's jakebibles You can subscribe for free and get plenty of cool stuff weekly. Or become a paid subscriber and get the first releases of novels and audiobooks before they go on sale. Full access to the Dead Mech podcast immediately instead of weekly installments. Access to the full archive and exclusive threads and discussions. Plus a ton of cool stuff I haven't even thought up yet. Head over to jakebible.substack.com and subscribe now. Again, welcome to Writing in Suburbia with Jake Bible. What is this podcast? It's a place where I talk about my career as a professional writer, my fiction, my dreams, my life and family, host other authors eventually, try out some new things, and just be real for a moment. I promise not to get preachy, to always be kind, and to be 100% honest without hurting anyone. So, sit back and relax and prepare to be entertained. But, Before we get into the meat of the episode, how about some quick Jake Bible fiction news? Welcome to JBF News! Yeah. Huh. Kind of hard to beat the actual news out there. As of this recording, there still hasn't been a presidential winner announced. Talk about stress. So, what's happening with me? Yeah, still no news on Rogue 6. Still plugging away at Rogue 7. I am seeing some new covers of my Kaiju series, so that's cool. Cool. Oh, I also have a secret project I'm working on. It's in the very beginning stages, but something really groovy may happen. It'll be a while, so no need to bother too much thinking about it, especially since none of you listening can even come close to guessing what it is. Seriously, you'll never guess. I'll announce when and if I can. Other than that, just business as usual. I said this last week and I'll say it again. If you are digging this podcast, then please give it a rating on your podcast app of choice. Review if you want, but those star ratings really help. Just click some stars, y'all. All All right, that's about it. Time to move on from the news and get to the meat of the episode. Thanks, y'all. Last week I'm gonna wing it a little, okay? Well, all right, I'm gonna wing it a lot. Sounds stressful, right? (laughs) Uh, I laugh at the stress, but I shouldn't. It's probably the greatest obstacle I deal with. And I know it's a huge obstacle that other writers deal with. I'm going to talk about the different stresses that writers get weighed down by, then I'm going to talk about what I do, or try to do, to mitigate that stress. So, um, here we go. And let's start with the big one, folks. Let's get right into that numero uno on the list a money. This is a job, as I stated in the intro. So, um, you kind of expect some payment for the work. Haha, <laughs> that's probably the biggest problem with being a professional writer. Um, not just the uncertainty of where the money is going to come from but the constant continual feast, famine vibe thing, pattern, whatever you want to call it that happens being a professional writer. It can be structured. Feast, famine, which, you know, a lot of professional writers who uh, have publishers, they get paid twice a year, every six months. That's big publishing, twice a year. Whew, think about that. You get paid twice a year And then you have to sit on that money and stretch it out for six months until the next payment. And you don't always know what the next payment is. Now, when I was working with publishers, and I still am, of course, because I still have books published with publishers, um, I've been lucky enough to get paid quarterly, at least with one of the publishers quarterly. And um, that that helps ease things a little bit. But at the same time... (sighs) It means smaller amounts of money, which isn't necessarily true because, of course, it'd be a larger amount if you're waiting longer to get paid as it adds up. But at the same time, when you get those royalty checks or deposits into the bank account, they don't always look so promising. (laughs) It's been for a quarter. It's been for three months, but still, ouch. Um, There's also the deductions. And um, that's something that I think a lot of people don't quite understand, Um, advances. Let's get into that super quick. An advance is an advance against royalties. Let me say that again. It's an advance against royalties. You're not getting paid, let's say $5,000 because you sold your book. And I use air quotes when I say sold your book. Yes, you've technically kind of sold it to a publisher, and they're paying you $5,000 for the right to start the publishing process and all of that thing. But that $5,000 doesn't stay in your pocket. It will get deducted from the first round of royalties. So let's say you're lucky and your royalties are $25,000. Well, guess what? That $5,000 they already paid you gets subtracted out. And that's kind of the tricky thing, especially for, a writer like myself, who is prolific. And for several years, I based my income on being able to crank out a novel a month, getting paid a royalty for each manuscript. You know, each of those novels I turned in wasn't $5,000 each. Don't get me wrong there. Um, get paid that royalty. I mean, that advance, sorry, get paid in advance. Uh, every time I turn in a manuscript, um, And then that advance would have to be deducted from my quarterly royalties. Well, if I'm able to crank out three novels a quarter, you know, one a month, that's quite a few thousand dollars that end up getting deducted from the quarterly. So I don't always and didn't always know exactly what my quarterly income was going to be. Um, I hoped it was good. Always hoped it was good. You bet. Who wouldn't hope it's good? (laughs) you gotta hope that but the reality reality of writing and being a professional writer is feast and famine heavy on the famine so unless i had a new release out or something hit big odds are all those advances were going to eat into my royalties and that check i got was gonna be small yeah that's stressful the constant cycle of never knowing what you're gonna get paid. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, and it doesn't end. It's not like hey, you know, I mean let's let's say you're Stephen King. Let's say you're James Patterson um, you know, sure, great. You, you're making a ton of money. but those guys have staff. They have people on the payroll. they have big companies. I mean, maybe not big, but they definitely have quite a few people they have to pay. So they need to hit a certain income level to keep all of those people employed, plus be able to keep their own income going. I mean, I can guarantee Stephen King has stress over money. I can guarantee James Patterson has stress over money. I can guarantee pretty much every single professional professional writer out there has stress over money you bet that's what happens in a capitalistic society when money runs things rules things and dictates the course quality and whatever of your life you're going to be stressing on money and being a writer which is being an artist and we all know let's face it you're not going to get rich in the arts (laughs) the people who do are outliers So there's a lot of stress as you're waiting to find out how much or how little you've made, whether it's monthly, quarterly, bi-yearly, whatever. Money is probably the number one stressor because otherwise, why are you doing this? For the art of it? No, that's a hobby. And I'll I'll be honest, anyone who says, hey, writers should just be doing it for the love of it. No, that's a hobby. (laughs) If you do it for money, it's a profession. If you're doing it for the love of it, it's a hobby. And if people out there expect you to entertain them with your hobby, well, fuck them, you know? And if they want to be you know, entertained by your profession, well, they got to pay you. That's how that works. That's, that is, once again, capitalism, folks. So there's that. Money, 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 money. Stress, stress, stress. Which kind of rolls right into time. Time, time, time. Yeah, that's a huge stressor because there's labor involved. And um, that labor is sitting down in front of a keyboard and actually writing the work, writing the novel, writing the short story, writing whatever that's going to generate the money, hopefully generate the money. And you gotta take that time and you have to put the time in, do the work and get the job done, uh, just like any other job. But Let's face it, folks. It's not like the creative mind runs on a specific clock. My writing productivity happens mostly in the morning after um, I'm alone in the house and I can sit down and crank some words out. That's where the most productivity happens. And then I usually hit a wall or peter out or whatever. And, um, the productivity starts going down because the creative juices have been, well, expelled. Is that a good word for creative juices? (laughs) Sure, I pissed them all away. Um, And so then you're having to struggle with the rest of the day to come up with stuff to be productive. And that time isn't always, I don't want to say available, but um, as accessible You can usually get a good chunk of time, a small chunk of time out of your day um, where you can, boom, focus on your writing. But then life happens. I mean, we have relationships. We have all kinds of stuff that goes on. We have to live life. You have to, I mean, everything, everything happens. And it all takes time. So you've got to answer emails. You've got to talk to publishers. You've got to talk to cover designers. You've got to, I mean, there's a lot of things going on during your day as a professional writer that isn't just the writing. And for some of us, we have deadlines. That's where the publisher says, I need this by this time. Well, crap. Or even if you're indie published, if you're doing it all yourself, you still have deadlines because you need to get it done and you need to get it to the editor. You need to, you know, their time is precious. You're paying for their time and expertise. So, you got to get it done in time to get it to that slot that they have open for you. Uh, same with Cover Designer. You need to get them feedback and ideas and descriptions and whatever you can uh, because they've made time for you. All of that stuff, all of it. And you also have to, well, you also have to fight. <sighs> I don't wanna say procrastination. Um, Yes, it's easy to put off writing, it's easy to put things off, but you have to fight, I guess, distractions. There we are. You have to fight the distractions of life, the distractions of the internet, the distractions of everything, the shiny out the window, the whatever, because that will suck your time away. And I know I'm constantly stressing about money and time. I'm constantly stressing about not having enough money, and I'm constantly stressing about not having enough time and neither one of them I can force because they're completely out of my control. I can do the best I can do and crank out as much work as possible to try and maximize the money. I can also do the best I can do and be as productive as possible to try and maximize my time. But so many factors just get in the way. Number one being, you sit down at a desk and you wanna write you're tapping at that keyboard, just because you sit there for eight hours doesn't mean you're writing for eight hours. You know, some days are great, some days aren't. Some it's a couple hours, some it's several hours, some it's a half hour, some it's whatever. And so all those different time frames are bouncing around in my head, creating stress, 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 stress. I did not get enough words in today. I got to make it up tomorrow. But what if the tomorrow comes and creativity is not happening? There's things getting in the way, life, everything. Wow, I'm losing time. I'm losing time. I'm losing time. Yeah. Ouch. That's some serious stress shit right there, folks. It really is. And it's it's no bueno. It's not fun at all. And um, I'll be honest, um, (laughs) I have no solution for that because that's one thing humanity can never do is master time. So yeah, it will continue to be stressful and it um, probably isn't going to change a whole lot. So when I do my little sum up at the end here of what I do to um, <laughs> to get rid of stress, yeah, I don't think time is is going to be on the list. <laughs> it's just a force of nature, and that's what it is. And part of that is, I mean, nature. Let's let's talk personal. Let's talk relationships. Let's talk your personal relationships that cause stress. Um, you have spouses, you have significant others, you have parents, you have children, you have friends, you have other family, you have dogs, cats, you have whatever, you, you're not just a solitary figure. I mean, being a writer is extremely solitary. It is sometimes a lonely job, but it's definitely an alone job unless you have a writing partner. Um, so, you know, it's very solitary there, But you don't live in a vacuum. Unless you have no personal connections at all, you don't live in a vacuum. (laughs) You just don't. Uh, Yeah, so you have that pulling on you. And if you have any empathy or compassion or... Emotion or connections to other people whatsoever. It's not like you can just turn life off and forget those personal relationships. They're always there. They're always in the back of your mind. Some of us use them as inspiration for characters, for situations. So you're constantly facing and dealing with your personal relationships. Now, there are writers, plenty of writers. And, you know, here goes a little stereotype that's um, valid It's the people who don't deal with those personal relationships that end up being that lone writer, that lone wolf, the divorcee, if you will. Um, You know, the divorced writer trope is out there because you get sucked into the time, you get sucked into the work, you get sucked into the money, you get sucked into all of that and you neglect. The one thing you can control is what you do with your personal relationships And a lot of writers neglect those personal relationships. They lose friends, they lose family, they lose spouses and significant others because they just would rather not have that stress. They would rather not have those people in their life stressing them out, having them confront and deal with real interpersonal relationships because they would rather be writing. Or maybe they wouldn't rather be writing, but that's the choice they're making and that's the solution they have to whatever the personal relationship stress problem is and it's sad and it's too bad um something for me i made sure that i wouldn't allow that to happen and i'll get into that at the end um so those are personal relationships business relationships yeah talk about stress there Um, you're dealing with publishers and their agenda is to sell as many books as possible and make as much money as possible. And that doesn't necessarily mean they want to sell your book. A little clicky there. That doesn't necessarily mean they want to sell your book. That doesn't mean they want to see you. I mean, they do. They want to see you successful because that makes them money. But they have tons of other writers to deal with and other books to deal with. And the stress of knowing you're not the focus for this publisher, it gets a little much. I have had to apologize in many an email um, because my tone in the previous email was accusatory and downright rude Um, because I get thrown a question, get thrown a problem, get thrown a dilemma, get thrown a situation, get thrown whatever at me, and it ticks me off because I'm stressed. And so I react poorly. Uh, not thinking of the other person, not thinking of the, you know, that they have stress too. And, um, you know, I got to, you know, eat a little crow, kiss a little ass, do a little whatever and say, Hey, sorry about that. Yeah. Things are tough right now. I didn't mean, you know, to be so rude. Um, but then you have that weighing on you, (laughs) your stress causes a reaction in a business relationship. And uh, you don't know if you've truly damaged it or not because the vast majority of our interactions with our publishers and other people in this business is through email. And we all know that inflection gets lost. Um, You don't see body language. You don't, you know, the the communication through email is not ideal, um, especially in something where stress and emotions can run high. And that's publishing, baby. That's publishing. Stress and emotions run high um, the other thing about business relationships is, well, did you, in a way it's like interpersonal ones is, it, did, did you make a right choice? Um, you know, you're, you're, it's like a marriage in a way when you choose a publisher. Um, and it isn't just them choosing you, it's you choosing them. You got to make sure they're the right fit. And there's going to be the stress of second guessing. There's going to be the stress of okay, this person was great in the beginning, but now I'm not hearing from them. Now deadlines are being missed. Now, blah, 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 all that. Expectations are not being met. And that causes a great amount of stress. Now, is it a one-time thing? Is this just now? Is this ongoing? Is this gonna be forever? Is this who this person is? Is this how this (coughs) relation, excuse me? So we're now back. So anyway, what I was saying was, um, choosing your business relationships. Is this person going to be there for you? Are they going to be helping you? Um, do they care? Do they blah, 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 it just, I mean, it's it, a business relationship is a business relationship, but it's also a relationship. It's just like any per interpersonal relationship. You're going to have all the same doubts and all the same worries and all the same stresses, um, as a personal relationship. The problem being a business relationship uh, does tend to affect your money. Um, So you can connect that one to money and you can also connect it to time because is this business relationship wasting your time Um, or is it a good use of your time? Are you constantly having to follow up? Are you constantly having to be the adult in the situation? Are you constantly having to second guess everything that uh, that business relationship person does whatever decisions they make because they are making maybe a 50-50 good-bad ratio. Uh, Yeah, there's there's a lot that goes into that. So you've got your money stress, your time stress, your personal relationships stress, your business relationship stress, and what goes along with that business relationship stress is the contracts. (sighs) If you have an agent, that should take some of that stress off, hopefully. If you don't have an agent, well, you don't have an agent. But the one thing you have to worry about is being taken advantage of. And I have signed several contracts where I am pretty sure I'm not being taken advantage of. I'm great with contracts, I'm great reading them. But then as we get into the business relationship, I realize there's one part of one clause that this business, this publisher, really relies on in order to, well, (coughs) control, manipulate, Disregard, do whatever. It is their defensive wall, and it can be innocuous. It can be something very, very small, and um, then it snowballs into something else. And then you've got the stress of thinking, "Well, it's is it is is it the stress of being taken advantage of? Probably not as much. It's more a stress of embarrassment, a stress of." Thinking, wow, this person put one over on me um, and I can't really talk to anyone about it because I feel guilty and shitty and I'm gonna look like a fool. Um, so there's that. That's a huge part of the worry of being a taken advantage of is your image, your self-image, your self-esteem, all that crap that goes into that. I mean, you know how it is. Uh, you've been taken advantage of, I've been taken advantage of we've all worried about being taken advantage of. So all the stress that goes into whatever that situation is, it's its the same here. It's the same being a professional writer. It's exactly the same feeling. And um, it's a lot. It definitely is. And then we get into, well, rejection. <laughs> and the vast majority of what you're gonna be dealing with as a professional writer. And for readers out there and fans that are listening, um, the vast majority of what professional writers deal with is rejection. You get way more no's than you get yeses, And the reality is, is it's probably eight to two, 10 to one, you know, something like that, whatever. 10 to one ratio. Yeah, let's say let's say 10 to one. I think that's good math, that's easy, and it's probably realistic. For every... Acceptance you get, you get ten rejections, and I don't think I'm off on the numbers there. I think that that makes a huge difference, definitely. Um, yeah, I think I think ten to one. Let's go with that. You send out queries. You're, you you send out let's say you know ten queries. Well, odds are nine of those queries are going to be complete rejections. Okay. Let's back up a little. Odds are 10 of those <laughs> queries are gonna be rejections. And then you send out 10 more queries and you get rejected 10 more times and you send out 10 more queries and you get rejected 10 more times and you send out and so on and so on until maybe you hit hundred queries and maybe you've had 10 responses out of those queries probably not, probably maybe five responses out of those hundred queries. So my 10 to one ratio is 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 flawed. And if you heard me stumbling over that whole 10 to one ratio thing in the beginning when I was talking, it's because my brain was thinking it through. And the quick math in my head was saying, mm, 10 to one is pretty optimistic, dude. <laughs> so the reality is, is out of a hundred queries or whatever, connections, touches, blah, 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 submissions, you're probably probably gonna get five acceptances. Yikes, that's a tough one. Um, the good thing about this is, is you build thick skin or you should build thick skin. Um, the bad thing is, is a lot of people uh, tend to self-medicate and try and make the rejection and feelings go away. Hey, I got rejected today, so I get an extra bourbon or two or three. Hey, I got a rejection today. I get four bourbons. Hey, I got a rejection today. You know, I'm just gonna go buy a bottle. Um, It snowballs quickly because if you're thinking you're getting 95 rejections, that's a lot of bourbon, folks. And um, your liver's not going to like you. (laughs) It's not. So yeah, stress of rejection is real. Um, hopefully you build a thick skin. Hopefully you don't self-medicate on it. Um, but it is truly, truly, ouch real. And then on the flip side, success. I used to give the advice and there was the number one thing I used to say the most. Um, but I don't say it anymore uh, as much is be prepared for success. People are like, what? What do you mean? Success is success. No, it's not. Um, here, a perfect example, lottery winners. People who win a lot of money in the lottery, uh, the vast majority of them report afterwards that their life is worse off after they've won that money. Now, think of that. They just got a huge chunk of money. People are all of a sudden overnight millionaires and their life is worse off? you, you That's success, right? Getting all that money? Well, no, their life doesn't just stop. You don't get successful. You don't sell, you know, a million books, and then all of a sudden, you get to just ride off into the sunset and call it a day. You still have everything going on, and there's money, and there's you know now you have to manage money. Now you have money. Um, now you need to figure out what to do with that money. Now you've got taxes. Ooh, lots of taxes. That's fun. You're dealing with accountants. You're dealing with lawyers. You're dealing with whatever you're dealing with. Um, And if you're successful and your publisher is happy, they're going to ask you for another book and probably one that's going to be just like the last one because they want to reproduce that success. Well, shit. What if that was the only one of those books you had in you? Not saying that's the only book you had in you, but what if you only had one werewolf go-go dancer in the mid-19th century, time travel novel in you and that's it. And then how do you duplicate that without just it just being completely redundant? Um, well, a lot of writers don't, they just put out a redundancy and that's the sophomore slump. Or even if it's not their sophomore book or their first book that hits, it's their 10th book that hits. Well, you, you, by that time you've got plans, <laughs> you've got books in the pipe. you got books waiting to be written. And if your publisher is like, yeah, yeah, that's great. I know we have four books planned, but um, blah, blah, blah title just hit huge. We need a blah, blah, blah title part two. Well, fuck. What about all the planning and all the work and all the everything you've put into all the projects you're about to start? Well, that all gets put on hold. That is stressful. That is a result of success. Success does not mean stress goes away at all. So be prepared for success. Be prepared for things to take off. Be prepared for the work to become exponential. I mean, you know, writers who don't sell get ignored. That's easy. Writers who do sell all of a sudden have a lot of people wanting their attention. And that's not easy for everyone because a lot of writers, I mean, you know, they don't want to be out in the spotlight. It's one reason you write in your office and you're sitting behind a desk and you're type, type, typing away instead of being out on the stage or shouting your words in a public place or whatever the hell. I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of introverts when it comes to writers and um, that can be tough. That can be extremely hard to deal with. Success. I mean, we've all seen it. Come on. For those of you who are, you know, um, in the more Gen X age group, VH1 behind the music, y'all. That's just nothing about how success sucks. It's an entire series about how being a successful musician is shit. <laughs> I mean, come on. We've seen these specials. We've seen all this crap. Success can be extremely Extremely stressful. Extremely stressful. All right. What else? Well, worry about the future. I mean, okay, you can't see the future, but you have to plan. And you have to plan a lot. And whether there's success or rejection or failure or whatever the hell, um, you still have to plan. And you're planning for the future. And you're planning for... Circumstances you may not even be able to comprehend. I'm going to say 2020 is a pretty fucking good example. Really, we have had at least four, four, minimum four different, very different realities hit us this year alone. And how do you plan for that? Really, how do you plan for a future you cannot see? And in these times... No one can count on the future because you have no fucking clue. Like I said, I am recording this and we don't know who the next president is going to be. When you're listening to this, then we may. Great, that's awesome. But when you're listening to this, we still may not. This could drag on for weeks. How do I plan my future? How do I plan writing anything that may be set in a contemporary setting at all if I have no idea who the next president is gonna be? How do I plan writing anything if I have stress and worry about my personal relationships um, because they're in the crossfires of demographics that the current presidential administration isn't too happy about? Um, I worry about my friends. I worry about my family. I worry about what they're going to need. Will I be able to be there to support them? I can't see the future. I don't know. So the best I can do is just plan some projects, have a checklist and know what I need to do next and know that it could change at any time. Whew, I mean, even the most structured writer, even the best planner and organizer in the world, they aren't gonna be able to predict anything and they they aren't going to be able to handle it all with perfection. And hopefully maybe handle it with grace, but maybe not. I mean, these are weird ass times, y'all. Weird ass times right now. And if 2020 has taught us anything, who freaking knows what the future will bring? And to say the future could be outlandish is not being outlandish. Because holy crap, look at our times we're living in. This is nuts. So, you know, you stress on that. You stress on the future or planning for the future or not being able to plan for the future. You stress on all of that. Oy vey, man. Whew, that's, I mean, that's some tough one. The uncertainty. Whew, yeah. All right, what else? Oh, well, shit. (laughs) The stress of the actual work itself. And I don't mean the sitting down and writing. I do mean that in a way. But The work, the quality of it, Um, is it what you planned? Is it what you intended? Is it going in the direction? If I'm writing a novel, I mean, I've only had a few novels where it's like, boom, I sat down to write this novel, and when I was done, I wrote that novel. Um, The number one being Fighting Iron. I wanted to write a far future mech western, and that's what it turned out to be. Outstanding. Outstanding. Now, was the sequel quite as well executed? Yes, I, I, yes, but it had some different influences on it and I took it in a different direction slightly. Um, it was, it was different, <laughs> but that first one, whew, that first one nailed it. it. It ended up being exactly what I wanted, but I would say the vast majority of my novels don't end the way they start or the way I plan them to end or whatever you want to say. Um, honestly and truly, there are very few of my creations that end up how I planned them. That's just how it is. And I stress over that. I'm like, did I veer from that great idea? Uh, did I go so far off that now this is just bleh? Um, will other people like the blah? Well, they don't know what's in my head. Uh, so they don't know what I planned. So now I just have to, you know, make sure that the bleh that's there that I've created is the best bleh problem, you know, possible. Um, and sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. But it's stressful nonetheless because I'm creating something that I want to entertain people with, but at the same time I can't read their minds, so I don't know if it is going to be entertaining. You're too close to the work as a writer, so you don't know exactly what the quality is. Hopefully, you've got enough experience um, or enough know-how or enough whatever uh, to know quality, but at the same time, it's nearly impossible. Uh, You put it out there, and by the time you've edited it and you read it a few times, you hate the work, so how can you tell if it's going to be good or entertaining at all? I've come back to novels that I've written years later and read them and went, wow, that was actually entertaining and good. And I can remember how much hell I went through to write it. And by the end, I thought it was crap. So to come back to it um, a little more objectively after some time has passed and go, wow, okay, that's not bad. That helps because it helps me apply that feeling to the current work or future works. But um, there's still a ton of stress. Is this good Will it be received well? Will it sell? Will it whatever? Um, God, yeah. And that, you know, brings us to kind of towards almost to the end, failure. Um, yeah, the constant, <laughs> the constant never-ending fear of failure. Now, I don't have much doubt. I really don't doubt myself a lot. I don't doubt my work a lot. I don't doubt my decisions a lot, but I fear it all. And that's simply because, not because I'm an egotist, um, well, to a certain amount <laughs> it is, but it's because, uh, you know, I just have built some confidence in who I am as a writer. So I don't doubt myself as a writer. And I rarely doubt the work, even though I just said there's a ton of stress because that's reality. You're going to wonder. Um, but I fear, I fear failure because all of this hard work, everything, everything that goes into this job all the time and effort, all of it could be for nothing. Um, forget money, time, relationships, all that rejection, blah, blah, blah. This ties into success in the fact that you can do it all right. And it still fails. No one wants to buy it. No one wants to read it. No one cares. And again, not a fortune teller. There's no way I'm gonna know. No way at all. But it is, you know, (laughs) life. That's, you don't know if you're gonna succeed or fail in life. There's a lot more life to live. I could be a success tomorrow And in 10 years, I could consider myself a failure because whatever happens, shit happens. That's just life. And you just don't know. So the constant stress of worrying about failing is there. It's that underlier that's just hanging out, just whispering, just kind of mumbling and grumbling and letting you know that, "Mm, don't forget, you could fail. Now, of course, I have my mantra and I say it at the end of this podcast every week and I'll say it again at the end of this podcast every week that um, there's only one way to truly fail but we'll get to that and I guess you know that really kind of wraps up all the that doesn't wrap it up what am I say <laughs> gonna tie it with a nice little bow <laughs> well that wraps up all the stress there we go there it is that's all the stress no no it's infinite you know for every writer there's different stresses there we're talking people here um and you have your regular life stresses, the car, the bills, the mowing the lawn, the doing the laundry, the cleaning the house, the picking up the kids, the paying for the kids, the kids at school, maybe you're in school, maybe you have you you also have your day job. So there's, I mean, there are so many stresses in life. Oh my God. And then you just pile them on with the writing stresses and ah, no wonder the archetypal, you know, typical writer is a drunk. I get it. I mean let alone all the emotional and psychological issues you may be trying to drown with that you know bottle of scotch or whatever the hell but just the realities of life and the everyday 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 stresses that keep coming at you damn I I see it. I see why a lot of writers and creatives are trying to fight demons on multiple fronts. I get it. I luckily would probably die if I was an alcoholic. I'm not saying I don't drink. I had a couple drinks last night, you bet. Um, but I don't drink every day. And um, even in COVID times, folks, even in COVID times, my body can only handle so much. A couple drinks and I feel it the next day. Um, and sometimes I just don't feel like drinking. That's just all there is to it. Uh, especially since, you know, I tend to like really good beer. And really good beer tends to be really filling. So I guess I have that fail safe. I could drink a six pack of beer in a night. I would be a bloated fucking mess if I did that. You would basically just have to roll me off the couch and drag me up the stairs to bed. Because, oh my God, I couldn't imagine drinking a six pack in one night. Whew, that would hurt. Ouch. But yeah, I get it. Add all the regular life stresses to all of the writer stresses. And you got a recipe for disaster, possibly. So what are my solutions to all this? I don't know if I have any. I have a little bit of advice. Um, Money-wise, you need to prepare, 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 prepare. Um, When that feast hits, you set that shit away. Set it away and try not to touch that little nest egg. If you don't have to set it away, if you can. All right. Um, that's about all you can do with money (laughs) or have a second job, which most people do. 95% of professional writers don't make a full-time living at it. So you have another job that covers the money and um, that helps take care of that, or maybe doesn't cover the money. I don't know, but money is money is stress is money is stress. Um, just try to plan a budget. Uh, watch those nickels, watch those dimes. Just you know, basic financial planning, uh, basic money management. Um, that's the best you can do with that. Time, time. I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. Other than my to-do list, um, and I try and budget out everything I'm going to do for the day. Try and think about how much time it's going to take, and I check it off as I complete it. Um, Do the most important things first. The the key things you need done, get done. Um, I think that's going to be your key for handling time. Uh, Do the big stuff first. Um, Don't let the little stuff slide because it will add up. But um, you're going to get more use of your time if you tackle those big guys right in the beginning. Personal relationships, that's up to you. (laughs) Um, I know I made sure I had my family um, first before I became a professional writer. Married, kids, all that goodness. Um, I am family first, and that is my priority. Um, I'm friends first, and that's my priority. Uh, If I let my writing or my work uh, get in the way of those relationships, then I kind of see that as a failure. Um, So that's all I can do. You prioritize. If the writing's more important, then the writing's more important, Um, you know? You just have to be honest and be real about it. Business relationships, here's the only thing I can say about business relationships. It's just like any other business and it really is just kind of like life. Don't burn any bridges because you never know who's on the other side of that bridge where they're gonna end up. And especially in publishing, Um, It's very inbred. People bounce from house to house to house. You may hate your editor now at this publisher and get in a gigantic fight with them, switch publishers, and lo and behold, that editor has switched publishers too, and you're working with that editor again. And hey, guess what? It may have turned out it was the Brass at the publishing house that were the problem, not the editor. And they were pushing that editor in a direction that editor didn't want to go. And so maybe that huge, giant fight where they're just trying to defend their job and defend their life and defend whatever they can defend was, wasn't, didn't need to happen, wasn't real. It wasn't from the editor, it was from somebody else. And we all have bosses and we all have people we answer to. So you know what I'm talking about. You've done it before. I've done it before where you bullshit your way through something because you don't believe in the orders you've been given and then you end up getting in fights with people because you're trying to defend something that you don't feel right about. It makes a giant mess. So that's all I can say business relationships wise. Don't burn bridges. Also be honest and apologize when it's your fault. That's a really good thing to do. Suck it up and be professional folks and be professional. There's that. (laughs) don't take it too personally, you know, it's business. And I say that with a grain of salt because everything is personal because it's your life. But I think, you know what I mean? Um, the stress of being taken advantage of have allies, have friends, have people you can, um, rely on to get advice from and run stuff by don't make all the decisions yourself, run stuff by people that you trust and get their opinions. You may not agree with their opinions. You may not go with their opinions. You could give a shit what they tell you, but sometimes just the exercise of running something by someone else will help you see problems and flaws in there. Um, other than that, let's see, rejection. Don't do drugs. <laughs> Stay off the smack. Don't become an alcoholic. Rejection is just part of it. it. It isn't personal and you just never know. I've said this a billion times. Your manuscript may get rejected simply because the person reading it had a crappy breakfast burrito and they are about to literally crap themselves at that moment and they just can't focus on your manuscript and it ends up in the rejection pile. Seriously, we're talking with people. Anytime you're dealing with people, you're dealing with flaws And that means that the rejection you get may not be about you. So just remember that, it may not be about you. Success, how do you deal with that? Just try and plan, try and be grounded. Um, Having good personal relationships makes a difference. Having, again, the same as being taken advantage of also, having someone you can talk to, um, run things by, that's gonna help with success. Um, Be real, know your squad, know your tribe, know your people. And know who you can rely on because you're probably going to have to rely on them more in success than you did before. The future? Yeah, I ain't got one for you on that. Um, what happens? What happens? That's You can't predict the future. Try and let it go. I know it's not easy. I don't. I, I hang on to things and worry, worry, worry. But I also try and let it go and just realize I don't have control over the future. Uh, We have very little control in life, folks. We really do. Um, Then that kind of brings us to the one thing we sort of can control, which is the work. How can you handle the stress of the work? The work itself. Is it good? Is it the right genre? Is it going to sell? Is it going to whatever? The actual work itself. All you can do is put your head down and type out those words. And just try to be honest with yourself at all points. And that's that's all you can do. Just try to be honest. And that's the only way you're going to get even a handle on the stress of, is this good or not? Um, you know, I guess the imposter syndrome of, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this. I, I'm not the writer that that person is. yeah. That's something you've you've got to get rid of, imposter syndrome. It's hard enough being you, let alone inventing an imposter persona. Um, So just be honest and be honest with yourself about the work. And then the stress of failure, well, we'll get to that later. And the stresses of regular life, holy shit, I don't know, man. I don't know. The stresses of regular life, I don't know that's life. And there is a bazillion dollar industry based on self-help and all of that that'll get you through that. Find what you can, whether it's belief in a higher power, belief in a lower power, (laughs) belief in no power, no beliefs, uh, hiking, everything. I I hike, get out in nature, go for walks. Ah, and that's the one thing, something I'm glad I got to here is the number one thing you can do to relieve stress. The number one thing, and I'm glad my mind got me here, exercise, physical activity. And even if you're disabled and have issues with physical activity, do something that's the equivalent. Get out of your head and into your body if you can. Go for a hike, go for a run, go for a walk, take the dog out walk the park, go to the lake, go to a river, go to whatever you need to do, play games, whether it's basketball, even by yourself, Uh, whatever you can do, just get out of your head and get into your body because a healthy body will help handle the stress better. You will be physically more computer shut down briefly. So I have no idea what we just heard, but what it all comes down to is this stress is stress is stress is stress is stress. And stress is a physical reaction to emotional and psychological, whatever trauma issues, blah, blah, blah. So get into your body as much as possible and try and relieve the stress physically. If you can, but at least prepare your body to be able to handle the rigors of stress that will make a difference. And I think that's about it. I mean, it's not even close to about it, but I think that's about all I've got. (laughs) All right. So that's enough for stress today. You know, about a word from our sponsor, which is me. I'm the sponsor, but you knew that, right? Yeah. Hey all you crazy folks out there, do you like zombies? Do you like mechs? Do you like post-apocalyptic wastelands filled with cults and cannibals and city-states and hundreds of thousands of the undead? Then you're gonna love dead mech! In the far, far future, dead mech asks the question, what happens when a mech pilot dies while piloting their 50-foot battle robot and then becomes a zombie? You get a dead mech! Dead Mech is available for free as an ebook, and you can find the link at jakebible.com. Want to listen for free? Then check out the re-release of the original podcast version of the novel. Subscribe for free at jakebible.substack.com, and you'll get an episode each week delivered right to the podcast player of your choice. Hell, you may have already noticed an episode or two in this very feed. Don't want to wait each week? then feel free to either become a paid subscriber at jakebible.substack.com and get all of the episodes at once or go to jakebible.com and purchase the audiobook from the web store or buy it from one of those giganto mega corporations. They have copies waiting for you too. Remember, head to jakebible.com or jakebible.substack.com. You're gonna love it. Is that crazy polka music stressing you out just a little bit? Yeah, sorry about that. All right. So we've reached the end of another episode. I feel relieved. A little stress off my shoulders there. It's amazing. And as always, I have thank yous. Thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. Thank you for participating in the discussions. Thank you for being you and digging my insanity. Just one big thank you. And I really couldn't do this without every one of you. I mean it. And before I go, we're going to get into that failure thing because there's something to always remember. You can only fail if you quit. Life, writing, everything is a long game. So keep at it. I'll talk to you all next week. Cheers, y'all. Writing in Suburbia with Jake Bible is a Jake Bible Fiction LLC production, all rights reserved. All music is by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Kevin has been a huge part of the podcast community for well over a decade now, so check him out and drop him some coin if you get a chance. Full credits are in the show notes. For all links to works and stuffs mentioned in the episode, please check out the show notes or head over to jakebible.substack.com. Thank you for listening. Cheers, y'all.